You're listening to the Rocky Mountain Review for Tuesday, September 6th. I'm Portia Cook. And I'm Kira McKinley. And you're tuned in to KCSU Fort Collins. On today's show, Kira McKinley goes over campus news with updates on a gas leak in a CSU dorm. Then Portia covers local news with updates on an officer-involved shooting. After that, Portia reports music and entertainment event news with information on Larimer County's celebration of National Public Lands Day. Kara McKinley then sits down with CSU professor Stephen Foschnock to talk about the Colorado River water crisis. Kara then reports on environmental news with updates on the Suncor oil refinery. After that, I go over national news updates with updates on the job economy in the U.S. Then stay tuned as UN Pert goes over updates in CSU Sports News. And to conclude today's show, I take a look at what Fort Collins has in store for the weather this week. Let's move right into campus and local news. This is Kira McKinley reporting your campus news for Tuesday, September 6. On Wednesday night last week, CSU evacuated one of their dorms due to a gas leak. Durrell Center was evacuated around 9 p.m. And then according to students' reports, the building was deemed safe about an hour later and they were let back into the dorm. Colorado State University intends on building a new dorm complex called Meridian Village. This is supposed to house 1,600 students. CSU hopes that this new dorm complex will encourage CSU students to live on campus beyond their freshman year, according to the Coloradan. While construction started on this campus in 2019, it has been paused since 2020, when the campus was closed due to the COVID-19 pandemic. Marie Strumbrum said in a Collegian article that this construction has remained paused due to the fluctuating demand for on-campus housing since the pandemic started. While the past two school years, students may have not been demanding on-campus housing as much, this year CSU saw an influx in students desiring to live on campus. The university ran out of spaces on campus and had to house some incoming freshmen at the Best Western. CSU is waiting to determine if they will continue with the project, according to the Collegian. In the meantime, the site has turned into a parking lot to provide more spaces for students. On Wednesday last week, Governor Polis toured the Colorado State University Forest Service Nursery Facilities after ensuring that Colorado would grant the nursery $5 million to improve the program. This program aims to heal areas that were burned by wildfires. The nursery grows thousands of trees a year, and this grant would allow CSU to update and expand the nursery's greenhouse. Due to this expansion, the nursery is projected to double its annual seedlings, according to CSU Source News. Thank you for listening to my CSU Campus News Updates. I'm Karen McKinley, and you're listening to 90.5 KCSU. Here's Portia Cook with your local news updates. I'm Portia Cook reporting your local news for Tuesday, September 6th. A Fort Collins police officer shot and injured a man on Friday afternoon while attempting to arrest another man wanted on a felony warrant. According to the City of Fort Collins press release, on September 2nd, Fort Collins police responded to reports of a disturbance at an apartment located at the 1200 block of East Stewart Street. Upon arrival, officers located the suspect in an apartment where he then jumped off the apartment balcony in an attempt to escape. Officers were able to make contact with the suspect outside and safely take him into custody where he was then transported to an area hospital for an evaluation of his injuries related to the jump. Officers also encountered several other people inside of the apartment, including an armed man with a gun. It was during this encounter that a Fort Collins police officer fired his duty weapon, striking the armed man. The man was transported to an area hospital and is expected to survive. No officers were injured in the shooting. The 8th Judicial District Critical Incident Response Team has been activated to investigate the officer-involved shooting. 
The Larimer County Sheriff's Office is leading the investigation and any further information regarding this incident will be released by this agency. A variety of Larimer County Board and Commissions are accepting public applications. Applications to serve on a board or commission will be accepted through September 29th. According to the Larimer County website, Larimer County Boards and Commissions play a vital role in making recommendations to the Board of Larimer County Commissioners on a variety of matters. All Larimer County Boards and Commissions are made up of community members who, quote, bring their experience and expertise to make Larimer County a great place to live, work, and raise a family, end quote. There are approximately 12 board and commission openings seeking a wide range of experience and expertise. Current board and commission openings include the Agricultural Advisory Board, Behavioral Health Consumer Advisory Committee, Behavioral Health Policy Council, Behavioral Health Technical Advisory Committee, Board of Adjustment, Extension Advisory Committee, Fair Board, Laporte Area Planning Advisory Committee, Parks Advisory Board, Redfeather Lakes Planning Advisory Committee, the Rodeo Board, and the Weld slash Larimer County Revolving Loan Fund Committee. New board and commission members will receive training and resource materials to orient them to their new role and responsibilities of the board they are assigned to. Applications for all board and commission openings can be found online at larimer.gov boards. Application forms can also be printed and filled out and mailed to the Larimer County Commissioner's Office. Print applications can also be found online at larimer.gov boards. Fort Collins police are still searching for possible victims in a reported shooting near CSU campus last week. According to the Coloradoan, on August 27th at approximately 1.30 a.m., Fort Collins police responded to a large disturbance resulting from a party near the intersection of Garfield Street and Remington Street in Fort Collins. This is just south of the Best Western University Inn, where about 150 CSU students are currently being housed. It was reported that a shooting had occurred, however, upon arrival, no shooting victims were able to be located at the scene. The incident is still actively being investigated, however, preliminary information indicates that possibly one to two people were shot near the location of the disturbance. Detectives are still looking to locate any victims. Anyone with information regarding this incident is asked to contact Detective Stuart Music at 970-416-2575. Those who wish to remain anonymous can contact the Larimer County Crime Stoppers at 970-221-6868. Cooper Smith's Pub and Brewery in Old Town Fort Collins will close its poolside location at the end of September. The Pub and Brew House will keep its pub side open. According to the Reporter Herald, Cooper Smith's Fort Collins' first brew hub has been a city staple since 1989. The poolside and pub house sit right across from one another and are divided by a narrow walkway that connects Mountain Avenue with Old Town Square. The poolside location opened in 1993 and sits at about 8,500 square feet. Poolside offers late-night options, including its own snack menu, craft brew selection, and a variety of games like shuffleboard, ping pong, and more. Dwight Hall, the president and co-owner of the complex, told the reporter Herald the decision to close poolside is attributed to the, quote, challenges in the business world that we are all keenly aware of, end quote. The pub site sits at 4,200 square feet and offers a diverse American-inspired menu, full bar, and the brewery's craft brews and house-made soft drinks. 
Hall told the reporter Herald that he predicts no dramatic changes to the pub side other than, quote, just making it better, end quote. Employees who currently work on the pool side will be offered jobs on the pub side, said Hall, telling the reporter Herald, quote, we have a pretty small staff over there, so we've got space for everybody, end quote. The poolside can still be enjoyed until September 30th. That's all for your local news. I'm Portia Cook with KCSU Fort Collins. Stay tuned for your music events and entertainment news with me after the break. The annual City of Fort Collins Hazardous Household Waste Collection Day is Saturday, September 10th from 9 a.m. to 3 p.m. at the City of Fort Collins Street Facility near East Vine Drive. You can take this opportunity to dispose of any substances that contain ingredients that could negatively affect your health or safety. For more information about the Saturday, September 10th Hazardous Household Waste Collection Day, you can visit fcgov.com hhw. KCSU thanks the City of Fort Collins for their underwriting support. My name is Portia Cook reporting your music events and entertainment news. Enjoy some live music and great food at the Fort Collins Food Truck Rally today. The Fort Collins Food Truck Rally is held every Tuesday from 5.30 p.m. to dusk at City Park on Mulberry and Sheridan Drive. The event includes a variety of food trucks on a rotating schedule and live musical performances. According to the Fort Collins Food Truck Rally's website, this evening's music entertainment will include a live performance by Mike Hewer. Pets on a leash are welcomed, biking is encouraged, and make sure to bring your own chairs or blanket. The Fort Collins Food Truck Rally kicks off for the summer on May 10th and ends next week on September 13th. Additional information about Fort Collins Food Truck Rally can be found by visiting focofoodtruckrally.com. The Larimer County Department of Natural Resources invites the community to join them as they celebrate National Public Lands Day all month long. According to the Larimer County's website, with the community's help, Larimer County Department of Natural Resources has conserved over 55,000 acres of land while managing nearly 100 miles of trails. To celebrate, guided hikes for all ages, a geologist talk, and sky gazing at some of the community's favorite open spaces will be offered. On September 17th, a presentation by Dr. James Hagedorn, who is the Tim and Catherine Ryan Curator of Geology at the Denver Museum of Nature and Science, will share fascinating geology research of Larimer County's signature stone, the Lion Sandstone. The Lion Sandstone Research Project was funded through the Larimer County's Department of Natural Resources Small Groups Grant in 2021. Three community volunteer projects will also be hosted to mark National Public's Lands Day on September 24th. 
Project activities will include fence removal for wildlife safety at Horsetooth Mountain Open Space on September 23rd, and a trail maintenance project at Horsetooth Reservoir, along with a cleanup at Carter Lake, both on September 24th. Registration for all community volunteer projects is required and can be done at offro.larimer.org slash calendar. For more information on the volunteer projects, please visit larimer.gov slash natural resources. Driven to Abstraction is hosting its sixth annual contemporary abstract art exhibition in sale. The exhibition is being held daily at the Art Lab off Linden Street in Fort Collins from September 2nd through September 10th from 1 to 6 p.m. The exhibition showcases nine artists with nine unique interpretations of what it means to create abstract art. Featured artists include Karen Bailey, Bob Kuntz, Kate Dardine, Jeanne Grove, Victoria Kempf, Carol Schinkel, Jennifer Spencer, Don Vogel, and Bernadette Yonquist. According to the Visit Fort Collins website, this group of local Fort Collins artists have collectively exhibited local, national, and international exhibitions and galleries. Through the Driven to Abstract exhibition, you can get access to some of Fort Collins' finest artists and their original work. Z2 Entertainment and the Aggie Theater present Garage A Trios. According to the Aggie website, Garage A Trios is returning to the stage in the original form, which they were born 22 years ago with a new studio album titled Calm Down Cologne. Their newest album features guitarist Charlie Hunter, saxophonist Skirik, and drummer Strinton Moore. Garage A Trios released a widely acclaimed first studio debut album titled Mystery Funked in 1999. From there, the band evolved over the years before going on a hiatus following a 2015 album release, Always Be Happy But Stay Evil. Garage A Trio is back and will perform at the Aggie Theater on September 7th at 8 o'clock p.m. Tickets for this event can be found by visiting the Aggie Theater website. That's all for your music, entertainment, and events news. Now an interview with Kira McKinley on the Colorado River water crisis. Hi, this is Kira McKinley, and you're listening to 90.5 KCSU Fort Collins. Today I'm here with a professor from CSU, Stephen Fosnock. Hi, Stephen. Thank you so much for coming in today. Yeah, of course. It's good to be here. Yeah, and today we are going to be going over the Colorado River water crisis and Stephen, I'd just like to know, what do you think the most significant impacts of this river crisis that we're seeing right now and what we will see? Well, r- right now, if, if we go back in time 100 years, we go to the signing of the Colorado River Compact. And that was a way to allocate water across the whole upper and lower Colorado River. And what that means is in the upper Colorado River, the four states, Wyoming, Colorado, uh, Utah, and New Mexico, get a certain amount of water, and it happened to be seven and a half million acre feet. And then the lower part of the basin, Arizona, Nevada, and California, get the same amount, seven and a half million acre feet. And then Mexico, and after the fact, got one and a half million. Just to put it in the context, an, an acre f- foot, uh, think of a football field, football pitch, that's about an acre, and it's about a foot deep. So locally, Horsetooth Reservoir is about 180,000 acre feet. So a minute fraction of the, this whole, the whole system. So 
kind of where where we are right now is the upper basin takes about four, four and a half million acre feet. So there's some left over. And the lower basin takes about 11 and a half. So the math sort of works out. But the issue is, is that we've been in, in drought in the, the lower basin and the southern part of the upper basin. So in terms of Colorado, anywhere south of Monarch Pass has been in drought for 22 years. So we just, you know, if we're getting 10, 10 million acre feet and we're supposed to get, you know, with Mexico 16 and a half, the math doesn't work out. So kind of our, our current state is that we just, we don't have enough water. There's just not enough snow falling up in the high country and then supplemented by a little bit of rain in the, in the summer. So that, that's, that's the big issue is we just don't have enough water being added to the system. And at least in the lower part of the basin, we're taking out more water than is available. Yeah. Wow, that's very interesting. And then do you think these conditions will change um, any point soon or in the near future? Are we looking at even a longer drought, you think? Many scientists don't even use the word drought anymore in the context of the, the southern part. Not, you know, it goes beyond the, the lower basin. Um, some people will call it a mega drought. People have looked at the paleo records, so they will look at tree rings to reconstruct conditions. And what they've seen is that this is a period that's been unprecedented over the last thousand to two thousand years. And many people are just considering this the new normal. And what do you think has made this the new normal? Do you think it's due to climate change, natural change? It's it's climate change induced. Um, we are cha- we are seeing changes across the globe in terms of drought and flooding. Um, and even that combination of, you know, things are in drought and then all of a sudden huge rains or, you know, one, one part of the country's in drought and the next, the other part is flooding. So it's this increased variability. And also, I think in the context of the Colorado River, we're seeing other places in the world that are also getting a fair amount less, and we can use in a statistical fashion the word significantly less um, precipitation, less rain, less snow. And then how do you think, like due to this mega drought or less rain, less snow we're seeing, how do you think the southern western states will be affected by this Colorado River crisis? We're already seeing some effects, but how do you think this will proceed? So, yes, we're, we're seeing that the lake levels, so Lake Mead, mm-hmm. Lake Powell, those are the big reservoirs, are at very low levels. And they will continue to be at low levels. Um, the Bureau of Reclamation just issued a, I think decree is a strong word, but issued a, a statement at least that, that says that Nevada and Arizona need to reduce the amount of water they take. No change to California. And there's a lot of kind of legal issues behind here. Um, I think that that's going to be a short-term Band-Aid. But if we continue to be in these dry conditions, if these dry conditions become the new normal, then that means we will have 
you know, the, this is, this issue will continue, and we really need to think, you know, how do we move forward given that we don't have 15 or 16 and a half million acre feet in the system anymore. We probably have eight or nine. You know, we have about half of that. So how do we contend with the fact that we don't have that water? Yes, and as you said, um, the Bureau of Reclam reclamation, um, they said that they um, were implementing those changes and they said that they would have a clear-cut deal by August 15th but still haven't and they keep extending their deadline. Do you think that we're going to see anything more than just a band-aid on this issue or is it just going to be continual band-aids, you think? I see that the solutions will need to come from multiple different mm -hmm. ends. Um, so, the, the federal government will come up with some decree that will likely end up in court, and that's going to be a big deal. The good thing is that the municipalities, the different water use, the water supply entities, and to a certain degree, the water users are acknowledging that we don't have the water that we used to have, and they're starting to implement new policies. You know, for example, uh, the city of Las Vegas is giving people money to take their lawn away. I, I don't know how much, I forget off the top of my head yeah. how much, but it's a certain amount per square foot to remove that lawn. Hmm, interesting. Yeah, it's deals like that that'll hopefully bring us into more sustainable habits. And then do you think, so we kind of went over how the southern western states are going to be impacted. Do you think Colorado will see a lot of impacts from this droughts or will it be primarily them? Well, we, we already see this in southern Colorado. Mm -hmm. So if, if we look at some of the regions that have been affected, um, you know, the San Luis Valley, for example, the Rio Grande has also been in drought. Um, Colorado River, obviously, so uh, West Slope, you know, the, the agricultural lands of Palisade and, and Grand Junction, the mesas out there haven't suffered quite as bad. Um, the Arkansas River, so we have Rocky Ford and that whole agricultural region. So those are, are all seeing it to, in some regard. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, we're seeing that. Um, in the southern part of the state, what we see in the northern part of the state is dry periods often lead to fire. And often kind of unprecedented fire. If if we go back um, the last few decades, 2002, 2012 were very dry winters. Um, in northern Colorado, we had about half the average snowpack. And then subsequently, we had some big fires. 2012, we had the High Park fire here uh, in the Cache-Lapooter Basin because it was dry. Well, fast forward to 2020, that was not a dry winter. That was about an average winter, but then we had six to eight weeks in July and August where there was no water falling from the sky. It was, it was very dry, and that... Um, then caused some fires at high elevation. Um, so the Cameron Peak Fire, East Troublesome, and then the Mullen Fire were mm -hmm. three huge fires burning in areas that usually don't burn. So, you know, we, we see some of those impacts. You know, anyone who was on campus uh, two fa falls ago just saw the impact of that. You know, I was wearing a mask coming to campus, not because of COVID, 
yes, because of COVID, but mostly because the air quality was so poor. Yeah. And just seeing those effects is so interesting. It really causes a lot of butterfly effects. And I know we previously talked on a last podcast about how I-70 is having to shut down due to all the mudslides and the flooding because of the fires and some of these fires caused in those high, higher altitudes. And you think that we'll continue to see those effects, like the flooding and the mudslides and all of that now due to these fires? The, the good thing is that forests grow back. Mm-hmm. And the first thing to grow back is the understory. So all the little plants, and that is excellent for stabilizing the, the ground. So okay. think of you have a, a hill slope and you burn off all of the vegetation. Then you mm-hmm. add water as rain and in some regards snow melt, and that's just going to take a lot of the soil away. You start adding those plants again, especially the the native ones that come back, which they'll want to, right? That's mm-hmm. the, the forests will regenerate, and that then gives it some stability, um, but it does take a long time for the trees to come back. So with time, the system then comes back. You know, fire is a natural part of the system. Um, it's just the magnitude of the fires and the that extent is something that's relatively unprecedented. Yeah, absolutely. And then areas of the Southwest, like California, now they're expected to see extreme flooding. Do you think that this will, it will of course cause damages and such as people have gone over, but do you think this will help their water crisis at all? Flooding is is the opposite of, mm-hmm. of drought, obviously. Um, but the, the issue there is you get too much water and it's not like we can store that. So if, you know, we have traditionally been putting all our water in reservoirs, the reason, at least in the western part of the, this country, is because the snow melts in the spring, you know, snow starts to melt April, May, you know, maybe into June. And then that, that, that water then gets stored because a lot of the water use then is, you know, June through September. Okay. So... You have reservoirs, but when you have flooding, you just have a lot more water than you can store. Yeah, the water doesn't get soaked up the way it needs to. And and it's yeah, you you, you need to put if you want to use that mm-hmm. fl- that flooding water later, you need to put it somewhere. Um, you know, if there's some mechanism, you say soak it up. If there's some mechanism to put it in the ground, um, I I know this is. Slightly off topic, but I know that in uh, in China, they've been trying to deal with a lot of flooding issues in their big coastal cities, places like Shanghai. And the problem there is you just have a lot of urbanization. That water can't go anywhere. You have mm-hmm. impervious surfaces. So they have this concept called the sponge city. So how can you put some of that water into the ground? So if we had some of those concepts, maybe it'll help a little bit, but we're not, you know, we're not really thinking about that yet. Well, it's interesting you bring up China because I think, you know, they're dealing with a lot of what we're dealing in our southern states right now. They just declared a three-tier level drought right now. And do you think that those kind of practices are helping them and will in turn maybe help us in our situation? I think the in the big picture, you know, we do need to work together, mm-hmm. right? And that's you know that that's why 
um, you know, as a scientist, I've been fortunate to collaborate with people in lots of parts of the world, and it's to transfer that knowledge and you know, things that work in one area may not work directly in another area, but you can use some of those ideas. And there's a lot of bright people out there coming up with some simple, novel solutions. And we need, we need to consider all options and we need to be able to, to share our knowledge. And, you know, as scientists and as scholars, that's part of what we should do for a living. Yeah, absolutely. So it seems to be getting harder and harder to almost predict our seasons and the weather. We'll get, I know Colorado was supposed to have a very dry summer, but we ended up getting a lot of monsoon rains, which helped prevent these wildfires we've been seeing these past couple of years. Do you think it'll continue in this way where we get very sporadic, unpredicted weather, or does this seem like an off-season for us? Unfortunately, I don't have a lot of hope that things mm-hmm. will become more stable. Yeah. You know, the 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 future predictions are uncertain. Um, there's an old saying that uh, all models are wrong, but some models are useful. So you know, if we think of that and we think of going into the future, the future is not is becoming less representative of the past. Um, we're having a lot more uncertainty of what can happen. So. I think we just we need to be a lot more conscious of of what's what's occurring. You know, we need to be cognizant of you know per- personally think of you know how much water do we use? How, what impact are we having? You know, to go back to the beginning here, wh- how are we using the water that's available? And you know the the idea of you know, think globally, act locally to, you know, what can we do as part of the bigger picture? How can we encourage other people to also be more cognizant of how much water they use? Mm -hmm. Um, And, you know, and, and there's a lot of implications we don't necessarily think about. And as individuals like citizens of Fort Collins and of Colorado, what do you think things people can do in their own household that'll help with this crisis? The, the obvious one is watering lawns. And I know that the city of Fort Collins is really looking at zero escape initiatives, so ways for people to replace their green lawns with other things that use a lot less or no water. So that's kind of a, that's a simple one. Um, just being, and I think being cognizant of just how much water you use you know, I think an exercise that would be interesting for people is to say, okay, I'm going to make note of how much water I use today. Every time I turn on the tap, every time I use water, I'm at least going to make note of that. Mm-hmm. You know, not necessarily quantify it, but just have an idea of this is how often I use water and just to identify kind of how much water we use. It does go well beyond that. And I think we need to consider that it's not just water, and um, we we are now thinking of this kind of from a scientific perspective. Mm-hmm. That's not just water, but it's also food and energy, and how all of those kind of interact. If we go back to the Colorado River, we can think: all right, that water that goes to California, what is that water being used for? And a lot of that water is being used for agriculture. 
So, you know, I want my strawberries in February, hypothetically. So that's water that's being taken out of the system and put into the Central Valley to grow those strawberries. You know, I want to run my air conditioning in the summer, hypothetically, and that requires power. Some of that power coming from hydroelectricity, well, if Lake Mead and Lake Powell are really low, mm -hmm. they're producing a lot less electricity. And a lot of the releases from Lake Powell are hydropower generation. Obviously not the only way that power is produced, but I think we need to think about this whole system. And, you know, it's it could almost be, I look at not just how, every time I turn on the tap, but I also look at, okay, if I'm turning on the light or I'm turning on whatever appliance, oh, okay, that's using electricity. Where does that come? I open the fridge, I pull out whatever it is that I'm eating and, you know, think, all right, what's the water content associated with that? What's the power? What's the energy? Where's this coming from? You know, did this sit on a truck? How much energy did that require? So just, I think if people kind of take some time and ponder, then they at least become more aware. And then when new technologies come that will use less energy, less water, then, you know, we can try to embrace them. Obviously, these things are going to cost more money, but it gives us an opportunity to go, yes, I'm, I'm participating in this and I'm trying to be part of the solution. No, that's such a great point, especially when we're looking at this Colorado River crisis, um, just seeing where stuff comes from, and especially if it's in those places with droughts and that overall effect of it. Yeah, thank you so much, Stephen. That was great information. We just want to thank you again for coming in today. Yeah, thank you for uh, inviting me. And um, I just want to give a shout out to KCSU. Um, I listen to KCSU whenever I can. Um, I often listen to it in the car when I drive, but I also try not to drive very often. <laughs> so that, that means I don't listen as often as I could. But thanks for doing what you're doing and keep doing a great job. Yeah, thank you so much. You have a good day. KCSU programming is supported by Fort Collins Concert Venue 830 North, featuring live music, bowling, and arcade. Tickets, concert calendar, and bowling reservations are available at 830NorthFortCollins.com or by searching 830 North. In environmental news, last year, Suncor released a plan to better monitor their air quality around its oil refinery in Colorado.
Now the state of Colorado Air Pollution Control Division says the plan isn't enough, according to Noelle Phillips from the Denver Post. Residents who live near the refinery told the division they wanted more done at a public hearing in the spring of 2022. This oil refinery that is north of Denver is the largest single source of air pollution in Colorado, according to Phillips. Residents within the area are continuing to push the state to even further regulating this refinery's air pollution. In the race to save Caribbean coral, scientists at Florida Aquarium have now made a huge breakthrough. By using aquarium technology, the aquarium has successfully reproduced elkhorn coral, which is a critical species, according to CNN. Elkhorn coral once filled the Caribbean Sea, but it now is rarely ever seen alive. CNN said that the regrowth of this coral could help revive this endangered ecosystem while helping protect humans as well by providing an extra layer of protection from hurricanes. The senior scientist at the aquarium's spawning lab, Carrie O'Neill, is known as a coral whisperer, as she has successfully respawned many variants of coral. O'Neill said in a CNN article that, quote, this is a critical step to preventing elkhorn coral from going extinct in the state of Florida, end quote. In other environmental news, San Francisco has a toxic algae bloom that is causing dead bass, bat rays, and other fish to wash up on the shore. According to NOAA, a harmful algae bloom is when a simple algae plant grows out of control and it in turn kills marine life. It is still unknown what has caused this bloom. Thank you for listening to my environmental news updates. Support for KCSU comes from Chiba Hut. Chiba Hut Toasted Subs is a cannabis-themed restaurant with three locations in Fort Collins and two close to campus. Ordering is available online for pickup or delivery. For locations and a menu, visit ChibaHut.com. news, the economy added 315,000 jobs in August, which was two-tenths of a percentage higher than originally expected, according to NBC. Wages are increasing as well, but not as much as expected. NBC found that average hourly earnings increased 0.3% in August and 5.2% from the previous year, but both of these increases are 0.1 percentage points below original projections. A new Gallup poll that was recently released showed that for the first time in American history, citizens are smoking more marijuana than cigarettes. A poll in 1969 showed that only 4% of Americans smoked marijuana, but now the poll found that nearly half of American adults have tried marijuana, while 16% are consistent smokers. Only 11% of American adults reported that they smoke cigarettes, which is the lowest since the Gallup poll began in the 1950s. NASA's Artemis mission is eventually supposed to bring astronauts back to the moon almost 50 years after the moon landing, according to CNN. Last week, NASA's Artemis 1 rocket was supposed to launch and take a quick trip around the moon, which would have served as a test run for future moon ventures. But the launch was delayed two times. The rocket had a leak in one of its hydrogen engines that has yet to be fixed, according to the Washington Post. 
NASA Administrator Bill Nelson said that the earliest another launch date could be rescheduled is mid-October, but this date could be pushed back even further to ensure that rockets are fully functioning, according to the Washington Post. The U.S. Food and Drug Administration has approved a new Pfizer and Moderna booster shot that will target the original Omicron variant and the new BA.4 and the BA.5 Omicron variants as well, according to CNN. The BA.4 and BA.5 variants are now the dominant variants in the U.S., causing 91,000 new cases a day. The earlier shots are still available for those under 12 years old, but they are no longer available to those who are 12 and older, as these updated shots are now being provided, according to CNN. On Sunday morning, Corey Wayne Patterson was piloting a small plane and threatened to crash into a local Walmart in Tulipo, Mississippi, according to NBC. Patterson stole the plane from Regional Airport at 5.30 a.m. that morning, and once the plane safely landed, he was taken into custody. NBC said that in Patterson's first court appearance, he told the judge that the plane was a flying bomb. Patterson has yet to be charged and is being kept at Lee County Jail until his preliminary hearing. Jackson, Mississippi has had water issues for a long time, and now after recent rains, the city doesn't have enough water to fight fires, flush toilets, or even bottled water to hand out to its residents. The main system's pumps were damaged early within the summer, which increased the risk of failure. Mississippi's governor said in the CNN article that the second cause was due to the flooding of Pearl River, which affected the system's treatment capabilities. Since July 30th, the town has been on a boil water advisory, and this town houses 150,000 people who are all without safe running water to drink. While significant improvements have been made to the system, FEMA officials say it is still unknown when the plant will be up and running, according to CNN. Thank you for listening to my national news updates. Now on to CSU Sports. My name is Ewan Pert, and this is your RMR Sports Update. This week here at CSU, we have five teams active in playing games or going to events. In the middle of this week, we have women's soccer with a 3-1 record hosting Montana and a few days later hosting Denver. Up next, we've got volleyball sitting pretty after their two-game winning streak over the weekend at 4-2, heading down south for a three-game tournament later this week, playing Baylor, and then followed immediately by playing both Evansville and Arizona State on the following day. Next up is men's golf, kicking off their season at the end of the week, spending three days at the Dream Miranda Falcon Individual Invitational. Women's swimming is also looking to kick off their season this week at Horsetooth Open Water. And to round out this RMR, we've got football looking to redeem themselves after losing their first game, hoping to take down Middle Tennessee this weekend. I'm Ewan Pert, and this has been your RMR Sports. Hey, this is DJ Asher. And this is DJ Dallas. You're listening to 90.5 KCSU Fort Collins. I'm Portia Cook with your Fort Collins weather forecast for today, Tuesday, September 6th. Except for a few clouds, today was mostly sunny with a record high of 99 degrees. 
Tonight, you can expect partly cloudy skies with moderate winds and a low of 62. Wednesday, expect near-record highs with temps reaching 98 degrees and an evening low of 61 degrees. Thursday, you can again expect near-record high temperatures with a high of 98. As for the rest of this week's weather, you can tune in for the next episode of the Rocky Mountain Review only on 90.5 KCSU Fort Collins. I'm Portia Cook with your KCSU News Report. Information comes from the Weather Channel. And that's all for today. We just wanted to thank Damien Castile for our amazing theme music that's playing right now. We'd like to thank our guests today, our news producer, Reese Granger, as well as the rest of the staff here at KCSU and Rocky Mountain Student Media. We couldn't do this without you. And I'd like to thank you, Portia. And I'd like to thank you, Kira. And finally, we couldn't do this without you. Dear listener, thank you. If you missed any part of today's show, you can find the RMR podcast on kcsufm.com under news or podcast. You can also find us on Spotify or anywhere else you listen to your podcast by searching KCSU News. And with that, we'll see you next time.